backpackers, travelers, and globetrotters from all around the world. Welcome back to another episode of the Itchy Feet podcast by Nomad Coops. Today, you'll find us on our way to Albania, and we're joined by a very special guest, a international blogger called Danny. So today, we're going to hear all about Albania. There's going to be a few little details on what it's like to be a travel blogger, and also an interesting little story about someone famous at the end. So kick back, relax, and enjoy Albania. Welcome to the show, Danny. How are you going? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very interested to hear about what I've always thought is a bit of a vampirical sounding country. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else thinks that. Maybe it's because it's like Transylvania sort of sound, that sort of thing. <laughs> but Albania, not one that's ever been on my bucket list before. Very interested mm-hmm. to hear a lot about it. What took you out there? I was traveling around Europe and I ended up in the Balkans kind of by accident. I don't really know exactly. Um, so I'd been to a couple of Balkan countries, the more popular ones, like I'd been to Croatia, Slovenia. And then every single person that I met was telling me like, you have to go to Albania. And every time I asked why, what's so good about Albania, they were just like, it's just so different. It's just such a different ball game. Like you really feel as though gone back in time. And I just thought, okay, I'm gonna go see for myself, I guess. And also it really appealed to me because for so long it was a communist country and it was so closed off to the world, more so than even North Korea is today. So I was interested to go for that reason. And also because Without offending anyone, I think when people think of Albania, a lot of people think about mafia, drugs, human trafficking, all that kind of stuff. And I thought, it can't just be that. I want to see the reality of this country. Like, it's not just something from the Taken film. I was curious, basically. Yeah, absolutely. You're one of those people that really like to delve deep into a country, not just for the sake of ticking it off a box. And you actually Mm -hmm. tend to take the time of going into it. For the most part, yeah, I try try to spend. I mean, I was in Albania for about a month. Albania is quite small itself though, yeah? So when you say that you were there for a month, were you in one location or were you moving around a lot as well? I was moving around. So the beauty of Albania is that there's a really, really long coastline. And because it's a long country in general, people tend to travel kind of from one side to the other. So I went down the coast and then I came back up to Macedonia and on the way there I visited uh, Jurakasta and Barat which are inland so yeah I made a bit of a circle kind of thing. Yeah so coming in what's the best way to approach it? There are tons of ways so you can fly into Tirana which is the capital or you can take the bus. I took the bus from Qatar in Montenegro but you can take the bus from Kosovo, uh, Macedonia, most places uh, you can take the bus or if you're coming from Greece you can take the ferry from Corfu to Saranda. Most people either begin in Tirana or the other end which is Saranda right. uh, from Greece. Yeah. So what's the go in the capital? Is it pumping or? <laughs> you know what I think I went at the wrong time because I went in summer everyone goes to Tirana to study right but in summer everyone was at the seaside. So in Tirana, I just saw like a load of old men playing dominoes on the side of the street and stuff like that. That's a cultural Um, experience right there. (laughs) For sure. And then like, I mean, definitely it is. There's a hipster nightlife area called Bloku. I think that's how you pronounce that, which is kind of the upscale cocktail bars where 
I don't know, you're still paying like three euros for a cocktail. So it's very, very cheap. There's a lot of techno parties and stuff like that, but it was quiet when I went. Whenever I spoke to Albanians and I said that I didn't really see that much nightlife in Tirana, they were like, what are you talking about? But it was summertime, so everyone was at the beach. What did you find food-wise out there? Most Balkan countries have very, very similar cuisine. So it's very meat heavy. Chivapi, which is a kind of ground meat sausage kind of thing that you have with Ivar, which is a capsicum, I think you call it in Australia. Yeah, yeah. you guys call them peppers, yeah? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with like a capsicum dip and onions and stuff, which you do also get in Albania, but their cuisine is also, there's a lot of vegetarian food, so stuffed cabbage, stuffed capsicum. <laughs> And a lot of game. Like deer and stuff like that? Yeah. And yes. And rabbit. They have a lot of baked rabbit stews and stuff like that. Very like hearty comfort food. There's this winery that I absolutely love there. And it's a farm, kitchen, agritourism. And during communism, Hoaxha took land off everyone. So no one could own their own farms or anything. And then after the fall of communism, they got that land back. So in the villages surrounding Barat, basically everyone seems to have a farm or a winery. So that's why the food is just so fresh, so organic. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So you said that you sort of missed out on the nightlife of the capital. Uh, What (laughs) did you get up to out there? It's not the prettiest place to go and it's not my favourite place in Albania. Capitals aren't in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. But there are lots of things to do there if you want to learn about Albania. I went to this museum called Bunkart 2, which is the bunker and you go underground and you basically learn about the entire history of communism there, which is super interesting. Doing a walking tour is probably the best thing to do in Tirana because you actually get to learn about everything that it is that you're looking at. If you just go there without a local telling you things, then you might just think, okay, this isn't a very pretty city, you know. But if you actually go and learn about it, it's very good. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think there's so many times that people can go to a place and really accidentally skip over some of the beauties of it because Mm -hmm. a lot of the beauties are in the stories. It's great to have tips and recommendations like we do along the way. You know, Mm. the people are amazing, but then when you've got the story in their background and you start to understand why a building is the way it is or what that Mm. building's been through, then I think Mm -hmm. that really grabs you. And I sometimes think that people miss a trick by not doing a walking tour, especially throughout European countries, where there is so much history through so many different eras that it's so easy to do, especially those European backpacking free walking tours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, are so unique, such good value. And yeah. I mean, they're so fulfilling for like giving you the full story. I think that's a fantastic way to do it. I think you're spot on. Yeah, I mean, I, one thing, and I don't know why this stands out to me from the walking tour, because it's such a little detail, but I've remembered it for some reason. So they said that after Albania started opening up to kind of the global brands and stuff like that, it was seen as such a status symbol to have a can of Coca-Cola that if you were lucky enough to have had a can of Coke, you wouldn't throw that away. You would display that on your mantelpiece so that everyone that comes around to your house is like, wow, look at this. Like, this is Where's incredible. this come from? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So it's, it's stuff like that, that obviously just walking around and not speaking to anyone, you would never know. But that's, mm. it's not even that long ago. So yeah. yeah, stuff I find super interesting about. Staying around the city, is, it, is there a lot of backpacker hostels? Is there a lot of locations you can hit all at once? Or like, what would you say is the best place to hit up in terms of accommodation? So I stayed at Trippin Hostel. 
and you know sometimes a city will have that hostel where it's like everyone seems to stay in that one place there are tons of hostels in Tirana that I assume are excellent but every backpacker that I met in the Balkans was like you have to go to tripping um, they're yeah. super cool they've got their own on-site microbrewery they make you a cooked breakfast to order and they've just got a really cute little garden roof terrace it's a nice place to meet people and it's really central yeah so is it easy to get around like restaurants cafes stuff like that yeah cafe culture is massive in Albania there's this running joke that Albanians just live on cigarettes and espresso and it's so true like I might be wrong but I remember reading that Tirana has I think the most coffee shops per capita than any other European city like it's such a huge thing let's make our way out of Tirana okay so two hours away from Tirana there is Barat the whole city is a UNESCO protected site cool it's known as the city of a thousand windows or the city of a thousand eyes because all of the windows look like little eyes in the mountain. Oh, cool. Yeah, so technically it's a city. It feels more like a village. It's in the mountains. There are lots of mountains that surround it and it's very hilly. There's a river that runs through and a bridge connecting the two sides of the town. Even though it is a city, it's one of those super quiet places with cobbled streets and gorgeous little white stone houses. And there's a surprising amount of things to do as well. Tell me a little bit about the drinks out there. (laughs) All across the Balkans, they have this drink. It's called something slightly different everywhere you go. In Albania, it's Raki. And it's essentially like a fruit brandy. And you can buy it in the shops, but most people have like a grandmother that makes it and sells it on the side of the street and that's what you end up drinking. So one day in Barat we went out for lunch and it's just this cute old Albanian granddad that comes out with a buffet of food. I mean you don't order anything in particular he just comes out with plates and plates and plates of everything and raki. And because Albanians they will sip it and they'll actually make it last like you're supposed to because it's so strong it's like moonshine. Brits, when we see something that comes in a shot glass and it's a clear liquid, we're just like, hey, cheers, and we do it like a shot. Naturally. Yeah. So all of us ended up pretty drunk, obviously. So my friend Jason went a little harder than the rest of us because he's just having a great time. Every time he takes a sip, the Albanians are filling it up and they're finding it so hilarious that this Westerner is just drinking this like water. We didn't realize how drunk he was because we were all just getting merry, having a good time, whatever. And then we went to the bar across the street and we ended up making friends with this really old Albanian dude. He must have been like 70 and he was like five foot tall, super skinny and cute. And he was teaching my friend Jason how to do the traditional like Albanian dance. Cool. So obviously we're all just laughing. Everyone's filming it on their phones, whatever. And then Jason just collapses, (laughs) like kind of dead weight. And then we're like, oh, oh dear. So then this old Albanian guy just calls an ambulance and we end up going to hospital and we're in hospital for like quite a few hours and they're giving him all of these IVs and stuff. And then eventually we went home, put Jason to bed and this whole thing went on for like seven hours or something. And then the next morning he wakes up and he's just like, oh, like I went to bed in my t-shirt. That's embarrassing. He was just like, oh, people must have known I was drunk because I went to bed in all of my clothes. Like what's happening? <laughs> And then my friend that was there said, well, of course you did. Like, we put you to bed. We were in hospital. And he's like, oh, shut up. You're joking. You're lying. And she's wow. like, no. 
dude like you were in hospital like we took an ambulance like far out of the city went to hospital like you were on ivs like and he's like no he just didn't believe her until i came into the room and i was like oh yeah hospital but he felt surprisingly good that day he didn't have a hangover at all because he'd been on all of these saline drips so he felt great and then we did a wine tour the day after and he just drank another bottle of Raki in. <laughs> How do you back that up with a wine tour? That's quite impressive. Well, this is the thing as well about Albanian wine tours. I mean, God, I want to plug this one because it's called yeah. Alpeta Winery. It's amazing. When we went there, it was like seven euros and they just, it's not like a wine tasting where you have a sip and swirl it around and blah, blah, blah. Like they just pour you a glass and they're like, gazua, which means cheers. And then you all just sit around and get drunk on this yeah. vineyard. So we went there and then after a few glasses of wine, then they bring out the bottle of Raki and they're pouring shots of Raki. And so my friend, Sarah, who's a nurse, that she was with us in the hospital, she was fuming. She's like, I can't believe you're doing this after we took you to hospital. Like, how dare you? And he's just like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can understand her thoughts there. I mean, you put in all the hard work and he just goes back for round two, but props to him for backing it up, I reckon. Fair crack. I'm getting a bit of a theme that things are quite cheap in Albania. It's cheaper than Asia. Dead set. Yeah, like... Right, you are ringing my bells right now. On my first day in Tirana, I went to this cafe and I got steak and chips and salad and a load of dips um, and I got beer as well. And the whole meal came to like two euros 80 or something like that with the Damn. drink. Even in Barat, there were these pretty fancy restaurants that we used to go to that you wouldn't usually go to as a backpacker because they look kind of fancy. And they have all this rabbit stew and steak and veal and all of this. And it's like three euros it's insanely cheap. You cannot spend money there. There's this main walking street. It's called Boulevardi Republica, which is like the main promenade. And that's where everyone goes out in the evenings. There's not clubs as such, but it's just bars. Like it's, yeah. it's the only kind of street with any semblance of nightlife. So that's where everyone is. Is there much else for, say, if someone's not really into drinking or they've, you know, gone to the hospital and got a stomach pump and they don't want to keep drinking? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So there's an ethnographic museum, which is this old Albanian house, and you can see how people lived hundreds of years ago, and it's beautifully pristine. Then there's Barat Castle, which, I mean, pretty much every Albanian town or city has a fortress that you can walk up to, so it takes about 40 minutes, maybe. You walk up this hill, and it's this castle that's still inhabited and there's just stunning views you can obviously go to a nice restaurant up there or just relax and walk around so that's nice there's a waterfall i don't know the name of it but there's definitely a waterfall that people go to near barat give me a little taste of a hidden gem out in barat right so i don't know what to call it i feel like i should call it a flea market because gypsies are slur and everything but everyone there calls it the gypsy market so if you want to find it i think that's what you should ask for um, but it's basically a flea market. And I think it's every Saturday morning. It's just this huge, vast landscape. And you can buy absolutely anything that you can possibly think of. And also the people that run it. So it's it's all the women that run the stalls. And they've got like hair like down past their bums. And it's all in these braids. And they've got like millions of hoop earrings on. They've covered in tattoos. And these are like old 80-year-old women. And they just look so badass and they're like yelling at all the men and like running the show. <laughs> it's like, it's so cool to see, but I would not like to be on the wrong side of them. Let's follow the gypsy way and move out of Barat then. <laughs> see what I did there? Oh yeah, I did that. Uh -huh. Where are we going? You tell me. Duracaster. 
Duracaster. I think that's how I've been saying it. So we'll stick with that. So Duracaster is actually, it's another UNESCO city. It's twinned with Barat. Um, and that's known as the city of a thousand steps, which all sounds really romantic and nice, but then you get there <laughs> and you realize why. So like the old town is on a hill, but then everything within the old town is either an uphill or downhill. It's all these cobbled streets. It's a mission to get anywhere. Um, it's very pretty. <laughs> so, that's, so that's a backpack job, not so much a suitcase job. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even when we arrive there, the bus just drops us off at the bottom of the hill. Prick. And I've got the taxis anywhere. It's not a bus station or anything. Like, it just drops you off on the side of the street. And we're like, oh, great. Well, I don't know how we're going to get up here in 30 degree heat. And then, but luckily, hitchhiking is so common. So within about two minutes, this guy pulled over and he was like, you need a lift? <laughs> So how'd you go with the hitchhiking then? I've only ever hitchhiked once in my life. It was at the start of this year on the border of Poland and Slovakia. I was stuck standing, okay. waiting for a bus for three hours. The bus was still three hours away. And <laughs> a guy pulled over and asked me if I wanted to ride. I'd never hitchhiked in my life. But I mean, that was a pleasant experience. I hear all these nightmares. I mean, Australia is well known for its hitchhiking mm. murderers. So, um, <laughs> you know, uh, but how did you experience it in uh, Albania saying that it's, it's quite common? Well, that was the first place I'd done it as well. It is so, so common there that nine times out of 10, if you ask your hostel, like, how do I get to this waterfall? Or what time's the bus to this place? They're like, oh, just hitchhike. And you're like, no, but really, what time's the bus? And they're like, I don't know, just hitchhike. <laughs> so you kind of have to sometimes. And even when we wouldn't be holding our thumbs out, people would still stop and ask if we wanted a lift. So eventually you just start saying, yeah, because <laughs> that's what Albanians do as well. It's so common. They sound like a lovely bunch of people so far from what you're saying oh my favorite <laughs> my yeah. favorite people everyone thinks oh albania like gangsters mafia it's like no you just go there and you meet loads of old men that try and sell you raki and invite you to their farms like everywhere you go people want to talk to you because they're so confused as to why you want to be there especially when they meet someone like yourself from so far away australia they're like, where are you from? And you say Australia. And they're like, what? Like, why are you in Albania? I'm like, welcome, but why? Yeah. When I was at the market, like this girl took me under her wing and she's like, this is what you pay for this. And this is what you pay for this. And then on the bus, people will stand up and give you their seats just because you're a foreigner. Like it, it's insane. It's so, so friendly. Yeah. You feel like a bit of a celebrity. I do love that about traveling to some of the lesser known places. There is that appreciation for people that want to come and explore their own culture. And I think they really enjoy that. Most countries that don't have that, that big tourist base, I guess. Duracastra. Mm -hmm. How long would you say we need there? What are we doing there? Like, you can probably cover all of the main tourist sites in an afternoon. It's very small. I would always advise at least two nights in a place just so that you can have a bit of a breather and explore it a little bit more. But yeah, the fortress, the castle is amazing. There's lots of museums. So there is Skendalati House that belongs to the Skenduli family. It was taken from them uh, in communism and then returned to them. So they've kind of preserved it and someone from the family will actually show you around and explain how people used to live because it was so different they used to keep farm animals in the basement and then the women and men's quarters were different and they have this old adage that you always have to have the guest room ready because if someone comes and knocks on your door in the middle of the night like you need to offer them a place to sleep that's how hospitable they are like you have to that. so the house is still made up like that there's another ethnographic museum which is actually the former home of the dictator um, I didn't go to that one. Everyone says it's not quite as good as the Skandalati house. I don't know. 
our hostel took us on a bit of a road trip. So we went to these Roman ruins and then there's waterfalls and mountain villages and all this stuff. It's And that was all just through the hostel. You can sort that out? Yeah. I think we paid maybe 20 euros or something for her to take us, but it was a full day trip and there was a really packed itinerary. Yeah. Yeah. The hostel itself was pretty good or... Yes, it's called Stone City Hostel. Again, everyone that goes to Duracaster stays in this hostel. In terms of the actual building itself, it's probably the nicest hostel I've ever been to. It's just insanely nice and pretty and beautiful. I love that. I think this is really my style of location where things aren't changing for tourists, Mm -hmm. but the tourists are being incorporated into the place. And I think that's really cool. That's such a good way of describing it. That's exactly how it is. Down to Saranda? Yeah, I think that's how you say it. That's how I say Saranda? it, yeah. It's known as the capital of the Albanian Riviera. If you only have a couple of weeks in Albania, or even less time, it's definitely a good place to base yourself, because you can take quite a few day trips from there, and it is where you're going to find all of the Albanians in summer. So it's the best place for barbecued seafood and cocktail bars and, and all of that stuff timing is is sometimes crucial they've got a few festivals out there that i do want to know about though mm-hmm. the corker beer festival in august i've not been i hope to go this year i really want to get to albania um this summer um so there's a beer festival in Korcha and apparently everyone dresses up in traditional clothes and it sounds like very good time um and then there are also festivals along the coastline so one called i think it's pronounced carla festival which is albania's first international music festival and it's in june um in again dermy i think you say it like that um there are a lot of music festivals along in the various like seaside towns there are a lot of musical festivals kind of techno kind of stuff and edm and all that it's yeah. not really my scene, but I know it is for a lot of people. So. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not into techno or EDM that much either, but I lived on an island that all they played was EDM every single day. So uh, <laughs> I've, I've gotten used to it. But basically what I'm understanding is that if you want a festival up in Albania, go and hit it up in summertime, hit the beaches. Okay, Albania, I don't want to sum it up before we're finished, but I'm getting the feel that you've got a capital with wine galore cities of eyes cities of stairs and a party hub with cocktail bars and cooked seafood yes yes does albania have everything (laughs) yes it's got like i think about a thousand kilometers of coastline and it's just white sand beaches like all down the coast there's this place called um butrin national park which is close to surrender it's like an hour away and again, there's Roman ruins, there's mountains, the mountains are amazing, there's waterfalls, like there is seriously everything. If you want to go hiking, you can go hiking. If you want to lie on a beach for two weeks and not move, you can do that, it's whatever. How long do you reckon someone would need to go out there and get a real feel for the place? If you can, then two weeks, maybe 10 days, because yep. I think in 10 days you could spend a couple of days in Tirana, Barat, Duracasta, and then try and hit a couple of places on the coast. Yep. And if someone was to just swing in, so I'm thinking when I first went to Europe, I was hitting cities for you know, three, four days and then taking off. Would you mm-hmm. recommend people go to just Tirana or is it not worth it? 
it's worth it in the sense that you can obviously learn a lot there about Albania's history and it is a bustling city. But I think if you only went to Tirana and based your entire opinion of Albania on Tirana, then you might not fall in love with Albania. I think yeah. that you should at least try and fit in one other place if you can. So possibly Skoda or Barat. I do want to ask one thing that I did touch on at the start. Is there anything okay. to do with vampires out there? Like, is there like gothic architecture? Or have I just got this in my head? No, I mean, this is nothing to do with vampires, but a bit of a fun fact. So, you know, Harry Potter. Absolutely, I know Harry Potter. So Voldemort actually, I forgot which book it was in, but when he was in hiding, he hid in the Albanian mountains. Yes, I believe it's, uh, he was in the Albanian mountains before he ran into Professor Quirrell in the first book. Yes, and when you, I went on a road trip through the Albanian mountains knowing this, and I was like, yeah, I can see that, like, they're very kind of foreboding and beautiful, but also, like, you wouldn't want to be there on your own at night kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, Voldemort certainly liked it, but, yeah, nothing vampirical. No? As far as I know. Just noseless death eaters. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Is there anything you want to chuck on top of it that we haven't covered? The two things I really want to address is that, first of all, it's safe. Everyone assumes, I think, that it's not. Even as a solo female traveler, it's completely safe. I mean, petty crime is pretty much unheard of there. So you're probably not going to get robbed or anything like that. I mean, I was on a night out and this girl had a handbag, Albanian girl had a handbag open on the table with a phone sticking out of it and everything. And we all went outside because someone wanted to smoke. And I said, are you not going to take this bag? Like, this is a really busy bar. And she's like, we're not in Manchester, you know. And I'm like, okay. Whack. (laughs) Yeah. And then we went back inside like 15 minutes later and it's still there. Like, there are people at the table and they were just like, oh, is this yours? But also the last thing... I don't know if I would recommend it if you're on your own and you've not really traveled anywhere before because it's quite difficult like the infrastructure is really undeveloped like public transport's a bit of a nightmare I found it quite challenging at times traveling there and I've traveled quite a lot so I think it's definitely somewhere that you go after you've maybe already done a little bit of backpacking yeah so if you've got a bit of confidence head out there so that pretty much wraps up Albania I think let's get a little background on you You are a blogger, correct? Yes, I am. I've always been a writer and I've always had blogs on just random topics. And then so I started traveling and I thought, okay, well, maybe I should tie in these two hobbies. And then it was only about a year ago that I started taking it really, really seriously. I went to my first ever blogging conference, which I didn't know was a thing. What happens at a blogging conference? Well, lots of brands will turn up. So it's a good place to network and stuff like that. And then there are also lots of talks on, for example... SEO, search engine optimization, um, building engagement. Um, there are writing classes. There was like a food photography talk. They're all different kind of things that you pick and it goes on for a few days. And then you also meet the brands at night. I don't think people realize how difficult it can be to sort of put something together like a blog or the creative side of blogging and even getting it out there, like you said, with the SEOs. Oh, it's hard. I spent my entire life doing it. Like it's, it's a lot of work. When I started to learn about SEO, when I started to kind of improve my posts in a way that they would actually be seen by people searching for things. And then once I started kind of tracking how well things were doing as far as rankings on Google go and seeing my numbers get better and better and better, that it just became addictive. Like the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is see what my stats are, see what my rankings are. And if something's gone up a few places, I'm like, yes. (laughs) Yeah. 
We haven't even plugged you. It's uh, travellingjezebel.com. Yes, it is. Uh, yeah. Travelling Jezebel. So, yeah, I talk about slightly more off the beaten path destinations. I mean, nothing too obscure. Like, I'm, I've not been to, like, Afghanistan yet. Um, but places, especially in Europe, that people wouldn't necessarily plan on going to. And even within, like, Western European countries like Italy, I tend to promote the you know, I don't want to go to Rome. I don't want to go to Florence. Like I want to go to Sicily and promote that. And so lesser known European destinations. And then I also write a fair bit about human rights, modern day slavery and people being exploited. I, I try and raise awareness about that when I can. I find it absolutely fascinating. I think it's a fantastic thing that you're doing as well to sort of make sure that it's out there in the open. I think exposing these sort of exploitations are, are something we need to get more around because if we don't, it's just going to continue happening. Let's get on to something a bit more happier. I want your favourite travel story. Do you know the musician Paolo Nutini? Heard of him. My auntie lives in this little village in Italy and his grandparents are from there. Well, they're dead now, but... Um... <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> this was supposed to get brighter. <laughs> I probably shouldn't have burst out laughing when I said that as well, should I? <laughs> um, so he, I think, grew up spending his summers there and he goes there every summer. And I um, happened to meet him uh, last summer in uh, September, I think it was. And it was super cool because I was kind of having dinner with my friend in the restaurant and he knew the guy that I was with. And he just comes over like, oh, Nick, hi, whatever. And then he just stayed there for the rest of the week. And me and him got pretty, we had a little travel romance thing. But it was just so cool because he was playing these kind of private lock-in gigs for us all and... It was just quite interesting to see someone, because he's famous in the UK. I mean, at least he used to be. So, And you had a little quite... travel fling with him? Well, yeah. <laughs> That's a bit cute. But no, the, the cool thing was just literally being in someone. We went to this loft party from one of the restaurant owners, and it's just sitting in someone's loft, drinking a ton of free Prosecco, and then there's Paolo Martini in the corner, like, playing all of his hits it's like this is pretty fun <laughs> this is a good way to spend a friday night like this is it, it's fun. it could be worse yeah exactly exactly finally what's the top three things on your bucket list massive dream of mine is to take a road trip and drive through the stands so turkmenistan tajikistan etc etc and then i would love to then go up into russia and take the trans-siberian railway all through russia so yeah, those two, it's kind of one. I would love to do that in one trip if possible. I also really want to go to Africa. I've been to Morocco, but I want to go to sub-Saharan Africa. And I want to go to Kenya, Nigeria, Ethiopia. I've heard good things about. So yeah, yeah. one day, one day. The, the idea of the stands, they're sitting very high on my bucket list as well. So yeah. I, can definitely, I can definitely feel you there. All right, that pretty much wraps this up then, Danny. Uh, I want to thank you for coming on and giving us the lowdown on Albania. Thank you for having me as well. And for anyone listening at home, uh, do check out travellingjezebel.com. Uh, some fantastic blog posts on there, some great stories. And always don't forget to check out nomadcoops.com and nomadcoops on Instagram. Go to our iTunes, give us five stars if you can. It's really appreciated. It really does help us push forward and give you guys more tips on more places in the future. Until next time, guys, thanks for listening. From all of us at the Itchy Feet Podcast, have a great week. 